Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. In light of the dedication that will be happening this evening, the Lord has laid it upon my heart to preach upon this passage. We have been going through Luke's Gospel in the evening times, uh, but in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, we read uh, about young children which are brought to Christ. And I want to look at the subject tonight of bringing children to Christ. And may God be pleased to give grace in the reading and the preaching of his word. We commence our reading at verse 13. And they brought young children to him, that is the Christ, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for as such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Amen. Reading there at verse a short passage in the ministry of Christ as he went about from village to village preaching the gospel, but yet a very enlightening and helpful, challenging and comforting a passage I trust this will be. Let us come to the Lord briefly in prayer and ask the Lord to have a word for us all at this stage. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the one who is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. We thank you, Father, that he is the Savior to all that will come to him personally. But he's also the Savior that we can ask that he would show mercy to those whom we love. Father, for those that are lost tonight, again, we ask that thou would save them. For us who are saved, give us such a love for the one who's loved us. Such a joy in the salvation that he's given us. That we will desire earnestly that others whom we love Children or older will come to know Christ as Savior. Do your work tonight to advance the kingdom of Christ in no small way, but in a great way this evening. To that end, I pray that thou wouldst fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Bring afresh to my mind the words I would have me to say. And use me simply for your glory and for your honor alone. Lord, please, in the merits of Christ, advance his kingdom that he would save the traveler of his own soul and be satisfied the salvation of the lost, and the strengthening of the saved. In his name we pray it. Amen. A number of weeks ago, as we went through our series on parenting, I made the comment that parenting has been described as one of the toughest jobs in the world. Because the endurance that a parent needs, losing over a thousand years in the first year of a child's life on average, the equivalent of 124 working days, or indeed the diligence that a parent also requires because between the ages one and three, a child will need their parents' attention around 200 times in just one day. And that's the equivalent of one careful look, looking at the child every four minutes. Or indeed the perseverance that a parent will need before the child reaches its second birthday because the parents will have to change around 7,300 nappies, which if you take two minutes to change a nappy is around 40 or sorry, three 40-hour working weeks, or indeed the sacrifice that a parent makes, according to Liverpool Victoria, one of the UK's largest insurance companies, uh, the average cost of raising a child in the United Kingdom until they're 21 is around £230,000. 
So certainly for these reasons, uh, the job of a parent can be described as one of the toughest jobs in the world. But it's also one of the most multifaceted. Because a parent must feed their children, change their children, comfort their children, provide for their children, teach their children, direct their children, support their children, encourage their children, correct their children, pray for their children, discipline their children, mentor their children, counsel their children, lead their children, and above many other things, also love their children. But yet, out of all the responsibilities that a parent has, in light of all the sacrifices and all the diligence that it will have to make, one of the most important, in fact, the most important role that a parent has is to seek to bring the child to Christ. That's what we have set before us here tonight. Those who bring children to Christ. And now this account is recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel, Mark's Gospel, and Luke's Gospel. And neither of those Gospel records tell us who it is that's bringing the children to Christ. It could be the parents, the grandparents, or somebody else who has an authority over the children. We just do not know. But for the sake of argument tonight, let us assume that it is the parents. They are the most likely ones who are bringing the children to Christ in this passage. And let us assume that that's the case. And so tonight, let us look at bringing children to Christ. I want us to look at two things. I want us to look at the parents who brought their children to Christ, and then the Christ whom the parents brought their children to. And it's my prayer that the Lord would do a work through this message in my heart and every heart here, those that are young and those that are older. Notice with me, first of all tonight, the parents who brought their children to Christ. There's a number of things they want us to see. Notice with me here the desire that these parents have. And Mark 10, verse 13, we read in the Word of God, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. What was the desire of these parents? It was that their children would be touched by Christ. Now that may, may seem strange to you and I, but whenever you have been reading through Mark's Gospel, you'll understand what is being meant to you. For example, if you have the Word of God open before you, uh, turn with me please to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. It's important you don't just listen to a preacher, but you listen to what the Word of God says, and always test what the preacher says with the Word of God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40, the beginning of Christ's ministry, we read, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thy clean. Whenever Christ touched this man, the man was healed. No doubt the news of Christ's touch spreading. In Mark chapter 3, and the verse 9, Christ is at the shore of the Galilean Sea. And in verse 9 of Mark 3 we read, And he spake to his disciples, that a small ship should wait on him, because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him. And who wanted to touch him? As many as had plagues. The touch of Christ brought healing. In Mark chapter 7, if you want to turn with me there, in verses 32 to 35, we're told of a number of people bringing on the Christ a man that was deaf and dumb. And as they bring their friend, they beseech Christ to put his hand upon their friend. 
In these verses, 32 to 35 of Mark 7, we find that as Christ touches the man's ears and then touches the man's tongue, that that man is healed of the infirmity that he has. And also in Mark chapter 8, verses 2 to 25, the Lord Jesus comes into Bethsaida, and there is brought unto him a blind man. And those that bring him beseech Christ to touch their friend. In verse 23, as Christ puts his hands upon the man, he is restored and sees every man clearly. Other examples could be given this evening, but yet I want us to see that the touch of Christ is referring to the healing of Christ. Now, it's important for us to understand what's happening here in Mark 10, but there's more we need to understand. Because we're not told that the children who were being brought to Christ had any physical ailment or sickness. We're not told they had a plague. We're not told they were blind. We're not told they were lame. We're not told that they had any such physical ailment. In fact, I would put it to you, that's likely not the case. That, in fact, it's likely that they had no physical ailment for the simple fact that the disciples would not have rebuked the parents from bringing the children. If the disciples could clearly see they had a physical ailment. What was the desire that these parents had? They wanted Christ to touch their children. But for what reason if it wasn't to heal them from some physical ailment? I believe the answer is found in Matthew's record. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 13, recording the same passage, we read that whenever the parents brought their children to Jesus Christ, it was so that Christ should put his hands on them and pray. See, that's the key. Christ should put his hands on the children and pray pray. To pray for a blessing upon the children, because the problem was not so much with their bodies as it was with their souls. Now, some of you may be aware of this, some of you may not be aware of this, but every time Christ did a physical healing, he was teaching a spiritual reality. Because whenever, at the beginning of this world, whenever God made everything perfect, Whenever mankind rebelled, not merely was the physical world cursed and as a result there came sickness, but entering into this world of sin, death came, spiritual death came, where men no longer could see God and his beauty by faith, they no longer had the hearts to love God, the will to walk with God, or anything like that. And whenever Christ came, years later, and walked in this earth. And whenever he healed people off the curse of the fall, the physical curse, he showed he had power to reverse the effects of the fall. What man had done, what Adam had done, what sin had done, Christ could reverse it and make it well again. Those who were sick, Christ could make better. Those who were lame, Christ could make to walk. Those who were blind, Christ could make to see. Those who were dead, Christ could make to live. But... Christ did these physical healings to show that if he could reverse the effects of the fall physically, he could also reverse the effects of the fall spiritually. If Christ could make someone who was blind to see physically, he could make someone who was blind spiritually to see spiritually. Someone who was dead physically, Christ could also make someone who was dead spiritually to live spiritually. Someone who was lame, Christ could make them in their own nature why they could not walk with God, yet now Christ could give them power to walk with God. 
all of the physical healings that Christ did was to teach the gospel that Christ came to reverse the effects of the fall and to do in men's lives what they could not do themselves. And so I would put it to you that the desire of these parents in bringing their children to Christ was not because their children needed healing physically. It was because the parents knew that their children need healing spiritually. Their children were born in sin and they needed Christ to do what the parents could not do. They needed Christ to make them new creatures. Christ to save them. Christ to pray over them and Christ to change them. That was the desire of these parents. And I want you to see not only the desire that these parents had in bringing their children to Christ, namely the children's salvation, but notice the salvation that these parents had themselves. Because he read in verse 13, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. These parents aren't coming to Christ for Christ to touch them as the parents. And I put it to you because these parents are already healed spiritually. These parents have already been saved spiritually. These parents have known what it is to not see the beauty of Christ and not to love Christ and not to have the power to walk with Christ or to turn from their sin and to live unto Christ. But yet having met Christ, having given their lives to Christ, having asked Christ to save them, Christ has already healed them. And they know the joy of what it is to be saved. They know the joy that it is to have their sins forgiven. They know the joy of what it is to be made a new creature in Christ with a new sight to see his beauty, with a new heart to love him, and a new will to follow him. And enjoying that salvation, these parents now desire it for their children. And I want us to see another thing here regarding these parents. Not merely the desire that they had, namely that their children would be saved. Not merely the fact that this, these parents were saved originally themselves, but notice with me the understanding these parents had. Because they read in verse 13, and they brought young children to him, that is to Christ. Whenever these parents wanted their children saved, wanted their children changed, wanted their children transformed, they didn't go to the disciples. They didn't go to some other rabbi. They went to Christ. Why? Because they understood that Christ had the power to reverse the effects of the fall. Christ had the power to change their children. They'd experienced the power of Christ personally themselves as parents. And so they knew that Christ had the power they also knew that Christ alone had the power. That's why they're not running to disciples or running to some other rabbi. They're running to Christ and to Christ alone. They're praying to Christ and Christ alone to touch their children. Because only Christ can save. And they also come to Christ because they know not only the power of Christ and the unique ability of Christ, but they know the willingness of Christ. Christ was willing to save them as parents. And so they come to Christ knowing that Christ is willing to save those who are in need of being saved. Why else would they come to Christ? If you knew that somebody wasn't willing to help you, you would never go to them in the first place. But these parents brought their children to Christ because they knew Christ was willing. 
And so let me ask you this evening, are you like these parents? Whether you're a parent tonight or not, are you like these parents? First and foremost, I ask you, are you one who has received the greatest gift that could ever be received in the history of this world, and that is salvation? Are you one yourself who knows the transforming power of Christ? I'm not asking, have you made a profession at some stage? I'm asking, have you been born again? Have you been changed? Have you been converted? Have you been made a new creature? Has your eyes been opened to see that Christ is beautiful, that he's the savior of the world? Have you been given a new heart whereby you love him because you see that he first loved you and came to earth to pay the debt for your sins? The almighty son of God loved you out of all people and died for you. And loving him, you now hate your sin. You want to turn from it. No matter how how difficult things may get, you want to follow Christ and live for him because he's worthy of everything. Have you been transformed? Have you been touched by Christ? These parents have. If you have been touched by Christ, then I ask you, do you have a desire, just like these parents did, for those whom you love, to be touched by Christ? If you have been saved, do you earnestly desire that those whom you love, be they your children, or be they some family member, or that be they indeed uh, some friend or some colleague, do you desire that they are saved, that they are touched by Christ, that they are transformed and changed and been given a new life? And they're forgiven for all their sins. And do you understand tonight? The only one who can save your family and save your friends and save your loved ones is Christ. The Christ alone has the power to do it. The Christ alone is able to do it. He's the only Savior whom God has given. Neither is there salvation in any other, the Bible tells us. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Christ alone. Do you understand these things? And if you're here tonight and you're unconverted, do you understand that Christ is willing to save you? He's the only one who can save you, but do you understand he's willing to save you? He's willing to change you. He's willing to convert you. He's willing to make you a new creature. If only you'll come to him and ask him to touch you, to change you, to save you. He's willing. Just as he's willing to save these parents. Notice another thing regarding these parents. Not merely the desire they had, the salvation they had, the understanding they had. But notice with me the effort they made. In verse 13 we read, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. These parents had a desire for Christ to touch and to heal their children spiritually. But it's one thing to have a desire. But it's another thing to act on that desire, to do something about it. I could go home tonight and I could desire a cup of tea, but unless I get up and put on the kettle, unless I do something about it, I may not get a cup of tea. It's one thing to have a desire, there's another thing to act on that desire. Some people may have the desire to be saved, but you don't do anything about it. Some people may desire that their family are saved, their children are saved, but they don't do anything about it. These parents did something about it. They brought their children to Christ. They brought their children to Christ actively. That's the effort that they made. They also brought their children to Christ wisely. Because we read in these verses 
in verse 13 that they brought young children to him. The word for brought there actually comes from two words in the Greek. It means to carry toward. They carried their children toward Christ. In fact, that the, the term that's used here is also used in Mark 2.11 of the wise men whenever they brought their gifts. And the word, the way it's translated there is they presented, they offered up their gifts to Christ. Or in Hebrews 11.17, we read it, Abraham, when he offered up his son Isaac, he offered him up. And that's the teaching here. These parents brought their children to Christ. They carried them toward Christ. They offered them up to Christ. They were basically saying, Christ, we give them to you. They're yours. Yes, work in their life, but work in their life that they belong to you. Whatever you want done with them, let it be done. Whatever you want me to do with them, give me grace to do it. They brought their children to Christ. And if you and I want to bring our children to Christ, then we must offer them up to Christ and do what Christ wants us to do with them. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, we read that we as parents are not to provoke our children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. A lot could be said in this, but just for simplicity tonight and for time, let me just mention that. If you want to bring your children to Christ, you must do what Christ wants you to do with your children, and that is to teach them about Christ. Teach them that Christ is the one who created them. Teach them that Christ is the one who designed them and made them. Christ is the one who upholds them and gives them life and gives them breath. It's in Christ they live and move and have their being. Teach them that Christ is the one who's holy and perfect. He's the one who loves what's righteous and perfect, but Christ is the one who hates what's evil and wicked. And the sin that's in their life, Christ hates that. But Christ is the one who came to this earth to pay the debt for sinners, to offer to sinners salvation, forgiveness, a new heart and a new life. And all that come to Christ in faith, repenting of their sin, Christ will receive. And Christ will be a shepherd to protect them, to care for them, to strengthen them, to uphold them, and to take them then to glory. Teach them of Christ, but also show them Christ. But a challenge to me and challenge to all of us. If we want to bring our children to Christ, we must teach them of Christ with our words, but we must show them Christ by our lives. Show that Christ is one who is willing to forgive. Whenever our children do what's wrong and they come and they say sorry, we'll show them how forgiving Christ is. Show them how Christ has forgiven you by forgiving them. Not bringing up the thing again and again and again, forgiving them. Show them that Christ is caring by spending time with your children, enjoying your children, seeing them as a gift and not a burden. Show them that Christ is worthy of everything by surrendering all you have to Christ. Show them by your life but that your house and your money and your wealth and, and your career and everything and all your energy and all your time, it belongs to Christ. Christ is first in your life. Show them that Christ is not only worthy of everything, but show them that Christ is trustworthy, that whenever Christ makes a promise, you can trust it. Trust Christ to provide not only for salvation, but to provide for you and to guide you and to lead you and to bless you and to use you. Trust Christ and show them that Christ is trustworthy. 
And that's why these parents would bring their children to Christ, and that's why we're to do it as well. These parents brought their children to Christ actively, proactively, wisely, in offering them up to Christ, bringing them the way Christ wanted them to be brought, but also bringing their children to Christ necessarily. You see, these parents knew that the hearts of their children were like the hearts that they once had. Hearts, as Psalm 51 tells us, that are shapen in iniquity, corrupted, perverted, deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. And the only one that could change their heart is God himself. And so these parents brought their children to Christ, knowing it was essential, necessary, because unless God worked in their hearts, they would never be saved. And so do you understand tonight, dear parent, how you must bring your children to Christ? But do you also understand here this evening, if you are unconverted, an unbeliever, that if you're ever to be saved, you need God to save you. You need God to work in you. You need God to change. You can't change yourself. It's not that you can work something up. No, you need God to change you. God to transform you. God to touch you. You can't do it yourself outside of the Lord. Christ himself said, without me, you can do nothing. You need God. So ask him to do what only he can do. Ask him to see. These parents also brought their children to Christ early. This term young can refer to a child that's just born such as in John 16, 21, or a child that's a few months old, such as Matthew 2, 8, or indeed a, a, a child that's old enough to obey a command, but still small enough to sit on a parent's knee, such as Matthew 18, 2. But the idea is that the parents brought their children while they were young. They didn't wait, but they brought their children to Christ while they were young. They wanted to teach them of Christ while they were young. They wanted to pray for their children while they were young. They wanted God to work in their hearts even while they were young. They wanted Christ to show mercy and grace while they were young. Dear parents, let us bring our loved ones now, our children now, whatever age they may be, and not leave it until later on. The parents brought their children to Christ earnestly. In verse 13, we read, And they brought young children to Christ, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. The word rebuked is, is very intense in the Greek. It's, it's stern. It's, the, it's a real scolding and telling off. And if you can perhaps think back to a time in school, maybe where you were scolded and rebuked by a teacher, or maybe you were scolded and rebuked by a parent, or maybe a brother or sister, and whenever you were sternly rebuked, what did you do? If you're like me, you wanted to crawl into a little hole. But these parents, while they were rebuked sternly and scolded by the disciples, they didn't go into a little hole. They didn't run away. No, they brought their children still on to Christ. And in fact, we're told in the Greek tense here that the disciples kept scolding them, but they kept bringing their children to Christ. You see, they never gave up bringing their children to Christ. 
no matter what obstacles, no matter what hindrances, they kept bringing their children to Christ. I wonder, do you and I see how much the Lord has first loved us, that we will love those around us? That we will keep bringing them to Christ until they're converted, until they're saved. I remember meeting a man in Belfast a number of years ago whenever an open air was being done. And he asked me, have I ever heard of push? I thought, what do you mean, what push a trolley? He said, no, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. Are you willing to pray until something happens? To keep going until God does. We've seen tonight the parents who brought their children to Christ, and there's lessons there for believers and unbelievers. But notice with me as I conclude tonight, the Christ whom the parents brought their children to. Notice with me that Christ saw as the parents brought their children to Christ, there were obstacles, difficulties, there were disciples, there was discouragement, but Christ saw it. Christ saw it all. And Christ not merely saw the problems and saw the discouragements and saw the obstacles, but Christ cared about them and Christ acted in light of them. We read that Christ was greatly displeased with the injustice of what was being done. And Christ rebuked his disciples for how they had been acting. You see, to Christ, the children were too important not to be brought to him. Oh, Christ wanted the children to be brought. And that's why Christ gave the command, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Don't forbid people bringing their children to me. Don't forbid them coming unto me. Forbid them not. Suffer them to come. Let them come. Don't hinder them in any way. I wonder tonight if there's somebody here, and maybe you are a parent, maybe you're a grandparent, or maybe you're not, maybe you're just a friend of somebody else, but by your life, by your example, you're actually hindering people from coming to Christ. Because of your bad example, because of your lack of trust, your lack of love for Christ, the distractions you make, the discouragements you perform, you're discouraging people from coming to Christ. What a dangerous thing. Christ is greatly displeased at such. In fact, we're told in Matthew's Gospel, in the chapter 18, Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. If any parent here, and I speak to myself as a parent, if any of us by our life and our example are hindering and obstructing and discouraging people from coming to Christ, that is a tragic and solemn thing. Maybe repent of it. But notice with me here the teaching that Christ gave. Oh, yes, the rebuke he gave and the command he gave. Let the children come. But notice the teaching he gave because he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Or another way of putting it, for the kingdom of God is of this sort. And here's a lesson to us all tonight as we seek to conclude. Those who enter the kingdom of God, those who are in the kingdom of God, those who are saved, they are like children. What are children like? They're dependent. Children, young children, babies, toddlers, they depend on others to provide for them, feed them, change them, clothe them, protect them. They can't do it themselves. They're dependent. They are incapable of paying for what is done for them. They don't 
earn a salary. They don't work for it. They're just given it freely. So they're dependent. They're incapable of paying. They just receive it freely. And also they're teachable. You teach a little child something as a parent. For example, if I was, I wouldn't be doing this, but if I was to turn around and to teach my little two-year-old that this tie was pink and purple, he'd begin to think it was pink and purple. That's just what you call this color. Because a child's teachable. Believe the one that teaches it. Those that enter into the kingdom of God are dependent. They can do nothing to earn their own salvation. They need God to save them. They don't work for Christ's salvation. They don't earn it. It's what Christ has done when he shed his blood at Calvary. It's that alone. It's his payment that saves them. Or they may be thankful for it, but they don't earn it. They don't work for it. And they will listen and be teachable. Submit their lives to the King of Kings and whatever he says they will do. He is perfect. He's holy. He's just. He's righteous. He hates what's wrong. He only ever does what's right. And therefore they trust him to always lead them in the path that's right. That's the character of one who's in the kingdom of God and the one who enters the kingdom of God. And so let me ask you tonight, are you one who's in the kingdom of God? Are you one who is the, who's come to Christ? You've asked him to save you. You're depending not on yourself in any way, any work you've ever done, any kindness, any charitable thing you've ever done, but entirely in what Christ has done at Calvary in the blood that he shed. That alone is what you're trusting in for God to forgive you your sin. Are you entirely dependent upon the Lord to forgive you, to save you, depending on him to change you, to transform you, to give you a heart that loves him with all that you have? Are you one who's willing to receive his work freely by grace? That's humbling. Realize you can't pay for it. Receiving it freely by grace. And are you one who surrenders your all to the Lord and says, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want to teach me, I'll do it. Whatever aspect of life, whatever sphere of life, I'll do it. Are you one of those of whom the kingdom of God belongs to? Are you a child? You know, it's wonderful that these parents bring their children to Christ. We find that Christ did not rebuke them, did not say, no, 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 bring them back whenever they're older. What we find here is, in verse 16, he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Christ put his hands upon them. He blessed them. He prayed for them. Now, I don't believe that the children were saved at this stage because they were too young to be saved. If they're only little babies or only little toddlers, at the end of the day, they were carried. You don't carry a 16-year-old normally. They were too young to be saved because someone needs to understand the gospel and then personally call out to the Lord for salvation. That's why we're told in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But yet what we see here is Christ showing the parents his willingness to save their children. His ability to save their children. And whenever the parents would tell their children of what Christ did for them, 
their children would realize how willing and desirous and how much Christ wants to forgive and to change them. Christ is willing to save all that come to him. Let me ask you tonight, have you come to Christ? He's the only Savior. If you have come to Christ, are you continually depending on him and surrendering all to him? And are you desiring that others will come to know him? Bringing them to the Lord in prayer. Teaching them Christ. Showing them Christ. Desiring that others come to know Christ as well. These parents are good examples to us all. And may the Lord give us grace to be like these parents. To be those that are saved. And those that are serving. The one who loved us. And gave his all for us. We want to pray. And then we're going to sing a final song. For those who are unable to remain for the dedication service, then you may leave during the opening verses of the hymn, and I'll meet you at the door. But for those who are able to remain, and all are very welcome to remain, then I'll come in, and then the dedication service uh, will occur. But let us pray. With your heads bowed, remember that these children were brought early to Christ because they knew how short time was. Jesus was passing by. They had to go to Christ while they could. And you need to come to Christ tonight while you can. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Come to Christ early. Come to Christ now. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, bless thy word. Draw the lost to Christ. And us who are saved, may we beg and plead for thee to work in our children's lives. Be begging and pleading now. And continually, no matter what obstacles or discouragements come, continually pleading for thee to work. O Lord, bring much glory to thy name, and may thy kingdom come, and thy name be hallowed. And thy will be done. Make us to be faithful in bringing our children, our loved ones to Christ, by teaching them, showing them Christ. In Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen.